Ambassador Leonard. Uh, I'm privileged to be here today. I'm visiting with you, and I hope I will not go away after today's service, but will remain with you, joining me as ambassadors for Christ. I truly believe we kind of underestimate the authority we have been given in Christ. Um, welcome to those who are watching online and for those who are visiting with us. And I know there's somebody who has been far away for a long time who is here. Welcome to you. You know yourself. Welcome back. Uh, there's a song in my heart which I think I will just want to sing briefly then we can go on because without the love of Christ all over the place, it just won't happen that someone will come from Bulawayo and feel at home, some from Mashingo feel at home, some from Deep Maungel and feeling at home. It's the love of Christ. Apa ne apa Zakaita Senyanza Apa ne apa Zakaita Senyanza Rudo Rajesu Watsangani Sarudo Rajesu Watsangani Sam Satan Father, we thank you for your indescribable gifts in Jesus Christ, love so amazing, the love that binds us together even at this hour, with our differences, perspectives, gender, backgrounds, challenges, joys, your love binds us together. And at this hour, we pray, O oh Lord, that the Holy Spirit will undertake, he will be our teacher, and he will remove any encumbrances that may make us fail to hear you. But even more importantly, as we leave this place to worship you with our lives, to honor you with everything that you've given us to the extension of your kingdom, to your glory and honor we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. College students, I know how many of you are here. Can you stand up if you are in college? Those who are in college, sorry. But, hey, stand up, let's see. We spoke about this yesterday. Yes, that's yesterday. Last week is as good as yesterday. <laughs> thank you for that. Yeah, thank you so much. You can take your seats. This, this is part of what already God is doing. Uh, I say to Mfundi, this series should not have been from the pulpit. We should have sat in the hall and engaged. And I think we would have placed Mutimujike, uh, placed Kapfunde, who now sit as elders, but I saw them as little young boys, sorry, gentlemen, uh, <laughs> coming as college students. So if you doubt that what we're talking about is practical, please, there are elders. These are just the two in my mind right now. They are families. So let's take this seriously and not come to hear a nice sermon 
but go out and leave it out. This is not a subject for listening to, but this is a subject to share and engage, go and do. Then you shall be blessed. Today we are looking at how we can engage with those in our working places. And I think everyone in one way or another, you are spending two-thirds of your life in a work-related issue. Two-thirds of our lives. How is that reflecting on our faith? Every workplace that I know of, that I've been to, is a microcosm of our fallen world. There is idolatry in all forms. Jealousy. There is lust. These days you hear of umjolo happening in workplaces. There is witchcraft. Don't drive so-and-so's car. Offices are closed in case someone will come and bewitch me. Sexual harassment and even abuse. There's hatred, there's discord. We try to sanitize it by saying we're working in silos. No, it's evil that's happening. All kinds of orgies go around in workplaces. There are workplaces where on Fridays, from midday on, get loose. Anything goes. Dissensions. We won't even start talking about the selfish ambitions which makes some companies which could be better just be minimalist. We read from Jeremiah. My people have committed two sins. They have rejected me, the source of life, this wellspring of life, and created their own broken systems. And the workplace is one of those broken systems that we have from as early as possible, listen to radios, listen to us as we meet our nephews and nieces and grandchildren. There's a quick question that comes, what do you want to do? What do you want to be when you grow up? We're lining up children. We've been lined up. We've been taught that if you are not associated with some workplace and some career designation, you are nothing. We say little about who you are in God. I lived it. That's why it is the heart of my mind. I spent six years training to be a vet. In my mind, I was going to be the vet. I'd read about vet life. Didn't happen. I walked these streets depressed. So who am I? What will I be? I avoided to be among many, many vets because I didn't feel I qualified. I didn't feel I was part of them. Because we have turned our careers to be who we are. It's very easy to be idolatrous. Can you ask yourself, without your job title, without the name of the company behind you, who do you introduce yourself as? And by the way, remove the name of your children. Remove your spouse. Who are you? I would like to submit today that we are ambassadors of Christ and the workplace that's given is a mission field. So each day that you walk back into that place, 
Can you watch out for people who need God's saving message? Every workplace is a mission field. This is easier done, uh, sorry, said than done. So how are we going to engage with our working community? The first thing we need is to know that we are ambassadors of Christ, as we read from 2 Corinthians chapter 5. That comes after the explanation that if you are in Christ, you are a new creation. And if so, it's out of God's grace. We've been reconciled with him. And now he appeals to those who do not know him through us as ambassadors of Christ. And I had a privilege to live with a dear brother of mine who was an ambassador. I learned a little things about him, about ambassadors. I also managed to work close to some ambassadors in my time with uh, Scripture Union. And I can say there's something about their training, how they carry themselves. They just seem like everything goes in step. They don't seem rushed. Their words seem just appropriate at the right time. It doesn't matter that they are in the middle of enemies because at times you are sent right into the middle of enemies. As we speak right now, America is saying all it's saying around Russia, but there is an ambassador in there. How do they do that? Ambassador represents their principal who is the head of state, head of government, and we, as ambassadors for Christ, we represent God. And that was the original idea. Remember, creation, let's make man in our image. And then we were blessed with fruitfulness to multiply, have dominion over the world. Be my regents in this world. Are we faithful to that calling, to that designation? Do we fly high our principles? our king's flag. You know, when the ambassador is an official trip, uh, visit, uh, engagement, their car flies with a flag. We are permanently on official mission. When he comes to see me as a friend, he doesn't fly that flag. But when he's going to see the president, and there's a, someone is officiating, you'll see their car will be flying flag. Do we fly that flag always? in that workplace, as we drive on these streets, as we walk into our offices, into the corridors of power and authority that we have, as we sit and officiate and chair meetings and uh, call for hearings, whatever that we are doing, are we flying the flag of God? That's the first thing we need to put in place. To know that we are ambassadors of Christ. Well, if we are going to engage with the working community, we need to come with the right attitude, in the right authority, the right authority of Christ and Christ alone. Not, not, not me, but I'm representing Christ. The challenge with that then is uh, we need to shift our thinking because for long, we have not been in that mode. That's why our workplaces are what they are. Places of strife. Most of us are holding on to our jobs because, simply because they bring the back on home. Uh, otherwise, 
We're just like anybody else complaining. We need, therefore, to know that our purpose that we serve once we are saved is to honor God, is to glorify God, is to represent Him in every respect, in conduct, in speech, in attitude, in action. So how do we do that at a practical level? And I'm going to look at uh, the character that we need to bring into the workplace, the competency that we need to bring into the workplace, the level of concern that we need to bring to the workplace, and ultimately, the conversations that we need to carry through if we are to engage those we work with. So the character. What is the character of an ambassador of Christ? I wrestled with this because it's very difficult from my observation to come up with uh, the definition, the description, or whatever you may call of character. Because character is characteristically difficult to characterize. But the bottom line to me was the character of God is summarized by what God has called us to be. After you see the description of the workplace in Galatians 5, 19 to 21, which are all those things I explained, what follows is the fruit of the Spirit. And I think that's the bare minimum we should carry through into the workplace. If you work in a workplace where there is a balance scorecard, can you go and develop your own balance scorecard on the fruit of the Spirit? Is there love in you? Is there peace? Is there joy? Is there patience? Is there goodness and kindness? Is there gentleness? Is there self-control, faithfulness in you? On a daily basis, are these observable in you? That's the ultimate I think we can work with as ambassadors of Christ. But uh, this is not easy because it seems the world is geared at making sure that we fail. We have dreams. And the workplace is that platform where some of our dreams are to be fulfilled. And as soon as something disrupts our dreams, our emotions well up. How do we work with our emotions? When in the workplace you are passed for promotion and not even one person thanks you for doing such a wonderful job, when they slender you for doing good for that matter, when you are left out from that crucial meeting which you believed you were valuable in, how do you proceed? James says, count it joy when we face all kinds of trials and the workplace brings all kinds of trials. Are you filled with joy? Do those who do not know your God see you differently because you are showing, you are exuding joy. The workplace is the crucible in which we learn to persevere 
And James says perseverance finishes its work so that we become mature, complete, lacking nothing. Do you believe? Even if you are underpaid and overworked, you will lack nothing. Or you are one of those who are to begin complaining, picketing, striking, and all else that comes with a place where you have no control. You cannot decide on your schedule. You cannot prioritize that which is important to you. And that's the workplace, by the way, which you volunteered to go to. I don't know if anyone has ever been whipped into a position. You volunteered to go to that workplace. And yet now, you are complaining bitterly. Character. What's your character when the workplace is not as you expected it to be? I pray, I hope, as we go forward, we will seek to show the fruit of the Spirit. And it may be said of us one day that no matter what happened in these workplaces, like it was said of Job of old, in all these ambassadors of Christ did not sin with their lips. It can be. It's the same God who was Job, with Job, who is with us today. We need to connect with him, to know that we represent him, to draw from him that we could persevere under the challenges of this world. And I believe if then we remain connected with him like the branch is to the vine, as the psalmist says in Psalm 1-3, we will be like a tree planted by the streams of water which yields fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. Doesn't it look like all ambassadors are successful? Now, these are worldly ambassadors I'm talking about. How about us? Remember, victory is certain because Christ conquered. I pray that as you leave this place today, go and review your character. Is it the character that's worthy of you to be called his or her excellency, ambassador of Christ? And excellency is the next thing we're going to look at after character is competency. I've not been able to practice that, but I'm glad I didn't. Because I've gone to places and worked with people where it would never have happened. And there's a way in which when we do God's work, we just don't get to be as excellent as we ought to. I just don't understand it. I'm going to say this because we need to face ourselves in the mirror. Check out for those who are members in this church how we conduct our business. The men and women in the leadership who had organizations which are flourishing, million-dollar companies. But at times you sit and say, are we the same people? I've worked with uh, ministries. And you enter into a meeting. We walk in as and when we feel like 
And you hear saying, oh, I don't report to you. I report to God. Really? The report is Jew is Jew when it's Jew so that it can be used. But I don't believe that we know what God has called us to do. We should be giving the world the tools that show that we are of God. God is excellent. God works excellently. There's a man called Daniel in the Bible. And in chapter 6 of Daniel, he is going to be thrown into the den of lions. Why? Verse 3 of chapter 6 gives us the hint. Now Daniel so distinguished himself among the administrators and the satraps by his exceptional qualities that the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. He excelled. He distinguished himself. Do we distinguish ourselves? Or we are among those who have to be chased for reports to come in. At times even we fail to be competent because we are reading our Bibles and praying. Are we praying to represent God? Or are we praying that God may bless our wayward way of workmanship? Whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus giving thanks through him to God the Father. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters. Are we working for God? Or you are reporting to the human being who is a supervisor? Are you the workmanship of God? excellently prepared, designed to show the presence of God. Wherever it may be, it's sweeping the corridors. It's cleaning in the kitchen. It's chairing a board. It's in the surgical ward. I don't know where you work. Painting, carpentry, whatever it is that you are doing, are you doing it for God? The challenge, I think, is we have not considered the workplace as a mission field. There's a dichotomy that has happened in our lives that on Sunday, I go to church, and on Monday, I am me. It will be interesting to call us in our workplaces tomorrow and whether we'll be received with the same holiness that we see here today. There are offices you walk to on Monday and somebody is talking to you or looking to you as you walk in and you wonder, do they believe the platelet that is at the back, I am blessed of the Lord. But how they attend to you is nothing but evil, to say the least. May it not be said of us. How does your work ethic distinguish you as an ambassador for Christ. In what ways is your work ethic exemplary of Christ himself? 
Maybe we need to ask ourselves this deeper question. What God purpose am I serving in this workplace? If you can't see it, go and resign tomorrow. Literally. If you don't see a God purpose you are serving wherever you are working, go and resign tomorrow. Take 40 days into the wilderness with God. Come back and rejoin. Because God has a purpose for you wherever you are today. But also, it says we persevere through challenges. How is God equipping you through the challenges of your workplace to represent him in that workplace and beyond? Many of us have concluded that our professions are our identity. I believe that your workplace is just a station. My dear brother, I first met him in Berlin, East Berlin. I later met him in New York. I later went to Abuja and then to Luanda. Those are workstations. He was ambassador in all those places. Whether I was uh, deep uh, at pig industry board, sucking blood out of the heart of the pig, or I was at Scripture Union sitting down and sleeping with street kids or in a classroom, those are the Berlins and the New Yorks, the cities of this world. Are you an ambassador wherever God sends you? The skills you have, the giftings he's given you, are not tied to being a teacher and teach alone. Use it wherever he has sent you. If we can switch that thinking, even if you are going to be retired tomorrow or retrenched tomorrow, God is sending you to your next mission station. Will you embrace it with joy? And I have sat and prayed with believers who are depressed, nearing suicide because I've lost my job. No, you have your job. You are the ambassador of Christ. Go to the next mission. That will give you competency. Trust God and he will take you to the next place. Concern. If you have the character, the competency that shows that you are an ambassador of Christ, then Christ was typified with compassion, with concern. He came down to earth because he was concerned for us. Are you concerned about the people around you? Today, they talk of empathetic leadership. Not to be directive, not to be directors of people. Not to be the manager who whips people into action and alignment. But engage people where they are at. Know them. Know their challenges. Know where they come from. That is empathetic leadership. You know, when uh, Baba Duve pulled me in a way I never understood and said, come to SU, then one day after about two, three years, he called me into his office, literally said, sit here, sit in some chair which rotated like this, and he said, you know where I live. If anything gives you problems, follow me. But from now on, I've talked to the council, and you are going to be the director saying, what do you mean? He said, that's it. And he walked away and that was it. The rest was procedural. But one of the things then he told me was, there's a little girl down there who is the PA to the director. 
Next week, I want you to go to her house. Today, Florence is a sister to me. Because I understood her when I went to the house she lived. I met her husband. She didn't have children then. I met her, her brothers. I met her sisters. Do you know the people that you work with? When they come showing that they've got bags under their eyes because they've not been sleeping, do you understand that they've got a child with special needs, they've got a mother who is sick, they've got a husband who is drunk, who comes, gives them problems. This is what we are called to do, to meet those needs and direct people to the one solution of the troubles of this world, who is Christ. When you don't know that you are harsh with somebody who is already beaten, destroyed, concerned, I work with companies and trying to build their teams from an emotional intelligence perspective. And one of the things we do is to do tell your history. Where were you born? What events in your life changed you? And when we say that's what we're going to do, most people feel very uncomfortable. But once we get to one person, two people, and people start telling their stories, by the time you leave, those people are more connected by their challenges than they are because of the company. But think of it. An average person is spending eight hours at work, some even more. We literally are going to our homes which have turned into motels, just freshen up and go back to work. That's what we're doing. And yet you don't know the people you live with. Who are the people at work? At the same time, you don't know the family that God has given you. So who are you? You see how we get lost? You better know the people God has given you in your working family. It's time to stop thinking that at work there are no personal issues. The person who carries the competences, the skills that you are employing is a personal person. You better know them. That's the only place of given by God for the two-thirds of your life to daily, hourly, minute by minute be ministering to somebody. How then do you minister to them if you have no concern for them? It says the first one to pick you up is the one who knows what it is to fall down. Have you fallen enough to appreciate when somebody fails, when somebody fumbles, when somebody makes a mistake? At times we come through as holier than thou. And God has got something to say about this. I love Micah 6 verse 8. He has shown you, oh man, what is good. What does the Lord require of us? Act justly. Love mercy and walk humbly with your God. May it be your motto. It beats anything that you may face. And I think COVID showed us something which we should carry through into life and never drop. Do nothing out of self-ambition or empty pride, but in humility consider others more important than yourself. That's why when you felt like your nose, your heart, your throat was scratchy, you stayed home because you're considering others. If only we do that, 
what is happening in the next person? How can I serve you? We've just come out of the international, is it global day, week of uh, recognition of customers? Who is the customer that you are serving? Do you consider what they're going through? Be kind and compassionate to one another. Forgiving each other. I'll never forget when I had it first time. A company said, there are people who don't forgive here. They hold grudges. And at break, one of those people was talking about God. What God do we depict? When we are known for those people who hold on to grudges. Masters, treat your slave justly and fairly, knowing that also you have a master in heaven. There's the workplace we go to, but on this issue, there's a workplace which is our home. How do you treat those you work with in your home? Because that's one workplace already. They are with you 12 hours a day. May it never be said that I left Elder Sorenso, Ambassador Sorenso, Deacon Sorenso, Deaconess Sorenso home because I didn't see God. May God help us with his love for people, concern for people, empathy. May you see what they see from their perspective. May you hear what they hear from their perspective. May you feel what they feel from their perspective. Only when we do that can we truly represent God. We will be able to engage with them because we are not judging them. We are saying the truth, but we are helping them to connect with God who has the source of life that they are calling for. If you have the character, if you have the competency, the concern, then you need to pronounce the message of hope. So your conversations, what conversations happen in your workplace? What do you talk about? This is why I was saying we needed to get practical and just sit down and, and engage on these issues. So I could be hearing from you now. On Friday, what was the last conversation you had at work? Hey, this, this, this CEO here, hey, is that us? How far are you from being the one who leads in complaining? Evangelism is a work of prayer. And it's okay to start meetings in prayer. In Zimbabwe, everyone will pray, even the chiefs will pray as they are they're snotting their noses with everything. It's easy to do that. The real prayer is your life. Is your life speaking to the love of Christ, the compassion of Christ? Anyone can read a prayer. There's a prayer that happens when you act out your love. Evangelism is a work of clear communication. You need to know the message that you are sending through. Most of us do not have that message. And I think 
is a year, two years ago, we did an exercise. How do you engage conversationally to bring somebody to Christ? If you have forgotten, it's okay. God is in the business of repeating himself. He's still repeating himself. Go and repeat that class. Please, you may need to redo that class. How do you engage in a conversation to present a clear message, Christ crucified, risen, the only name given in which men shall be saved. Evangelism is a matter of wisdom. You need to know that it's right time to break at this level. You will not know because you may not have known the people. This is where the concern is important. Look at Christ. There are people he did things on miracles and says, go home. There are others he says, come with me. There are others he engaged like the woman of the world. We need wisdom. It's never the same for everyone because people are at different spaces. More so for us. I do a lot of counseling these days and in our initial form, we ask the question, your religion. The extreme is that one man says, he has been a Christian for 29 years and is only 28 years old. He included the days when he was in his mother's tummy. So almost everyone in this country will tell you they are Christian. So we have a different people to present the gospel to. They have heard the message. A lot of them have heard the message. They've been hurt by those who carry the message. You need to know them through consent. You need to have shown yourself different by your character and your competency if you are going to engage in a different conversation. Because the moment you come and you talk, hallelujah, I'm blessed, you've switched off. We are stereotyped already. You need to know the person you are engaging with. And I believe the Bible is a story of love. The question is, what's God's story in your life that you're going to share? Not your work, but God's work that presents, represents his story in your life. The story that will say, if that's your God, I want the same God too. You need to sit down and work out that story. In terms of our language that we use, Paul has got something to say to that. Colossians 4, 6, it says, act wisely toward outsiders, redeeming the time. There's no time. You've been given an opportunity. Maximize it. That's basically what it means. Now, let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. Things say so that you know how to Bible bash them. So I'm saying your conversation is more of listening in and picking up promptings from the other person where they need to hear about what God is doing in your life so that they will ask a question which then you will answer with God's word. When we come and shove down Christ on people's throats, people have known, be polite, be kind, they will go away. We all do it, don't we? There are those who knock on our doors. It's either we ignore them or we smile at them and say they will pass. You need to be wise. Know how to answer, when to answer. Then, of course, don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful to the listener to encourage them. 
Are your words encouraging? When you open your mouth, have you calculated and considered whether the listener needs to hear what you are saying or you are imposing yourself on them? If you are an ambassador of Christ, you need to have listened to him every day. I tried to get this term. There was a fancy term which uh, my brother Sengwe used to, to, to give. Every morning, then it was uh, telex. Uh, sorry for those who were born with computers. You don't know that. But a telex was a message sent, not so many words. But from head office, every morning, every ambassador receives a position of what's happening, what are the important things. That brief, that will guide them as they engage with other ambassadors and the communities in which they are representing their principal. The question is, as we leave each morning to engage in our workplace, have we received the brief? Have you read the brief from God? Today, you are going out. This is what you're going to be doing. Most of us, we are working on autopilot, on experience, on how we did it last year, how we did it with this person and that person. As I say, every person, even the person you saw yesterday, is not the same today. Because something has happened in their lives that could change them completely. Are you wise enough to be guided by the Holy Spirit? Evangelism, as we heard previously, starts with prayer. Before you open your mouth to speak, have you prayed to hear the words that are necessary for the person you are talking to, to hear? They need to hear that Christ saves. But in what way? In what way? Just like everyone needs food, but there are different foods you need depending on where you are. If you don't know the person through consent, you are going to say a lot and it won't change their lives. You'll be frustrated. It won't work. Yet God is waiting to guide you. Romans 10, 13 to 15 says, Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then can they call on the name of the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard of? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them. And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. Each morning, you are sent. You are the ambassador. Do you know the message you have to bring? You need, after you have shown the character, you need, after you have shown the competency, after you've shown the concern, you need to open your mouth and speak the word. A dear friend of mine, we walked all the way from Form 1. We parted at Lower 6. He said, hey, we are, you are good. There are very few good men that I have seen like you. No drinking. And actually, yeah, just a nice man. But at that point, I said to him, you know if there is anything I'll have done wrong is to die before I share with you my life. So I shared with him and ultimately I said, where are you with Christ? 
At that moment, he said, Leonard, I'd rather be a Hindu. I'd rather be a Muslim. Because I've been hurt too much by Christians. No, 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 you didn't hurt me, but I've been hurt by Christians. It was a conversation which went on for two months. And in the third month, I visited him in his big office where he was heading a company. We prayed. Today, we are brothers, not just former classmates. I had to open my mouth and speak the clear message that God loves you. Not for you to be just nice, but to be saved through the blood of Christ. Every workplace is a microcosm of a fallen world. Therefore, it is the world in which God has sent us to go and make disciples. But the beauty of the workplace is that you don't pass through making disciples, uh, sorry, uh, preaching to them, but it's a place where you can sit eight hours a day, five days, at least in a week, for a good 40 weeks in a year, making disciples. There should be stronger churches that are running in our workplaces than what happens in here. Because here we meet for how many hours? For two hours. What happens in our workplaces? It's sad when people spend 20 years, 15 years, 40 years working together and you don't know that you are both children of our Heavenly Father. And it's happening. It's sad that people will be complaining about things that are not working well in a workplace, but you never pray together about those issues. It's not about your denomination. The love of Christ compels us to share the message of reconciliating God with his people. And all those are God's people. As you go out today, go out knowing that you've got a badge on your lap of ambassador of Christ. Can you carry it without fear? Can you use it without favor? Can you use it fruitfully for the kingdom of God? So that when you have worked, you don't go to retire in a retirement home. You don't go to retire with a good paycheck, but you retire into a new station as an ambassador. That's what God is calling us to do, to engage the workplace. Most opportune time, place, to show that our God is an excellent God in our character, in our competence. Our God is a compassionate God. Our God is a God who speaks today. Matthew 25 the sheep and the gods are going to be separated. Are you one who will be known in your workplace for having been there when they were sick, when they were in prison, when they needed clothes, when they needed food, when they were in hospital? And to carry that picture, have this picture here. But lying in here, with all these people as your workmates, is you, your body, dead. 
on. What will be said of your character? What will be said of your competency? What will be said of your concern? What will be said of your conversations? We are all just a breath away from this point. And because we are not there, we've got another breath to engage with a working community to bring as many as God has appointed into salvation. Our Lord, our God, our creator, ruler of this world, merciful God, you are righteous. You are able. You know everything. The beginning, the end. You are gracious. You are merciful. You have called us. You could do this work on your own, and yet you have chosen to give us an honor, a privilege to be co-workers with you. To make us your ambassadors in this world. The world of work. Our Father, we pray this morning that we may be consciously mindful of the reality of the truth that in you as our principal, our king, our lord, our savior, we are firm, we are secure, no matter what the world may throw at us. Lord, give us the wisdom, give us the humility, give us the joy of serving you in our workplaces. To bring those who may not know you to know you. To bring those who know you to fire up their lives for you. But Lord, as we work to feed our families, above all, we work to bring your word to the hearts of many. So take us now. Use us as your vessels. And Lord, through your spirit, help us each day, each moment, each morning, each evening to commit our lives to live for you. To your honor, to your glory, to the extension of your kingdom, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let us stand and sing hymn 282, Living for Jesus. <laughs>